0: yeah hello hello there you are all right well welcome to uh to this american dice and now we are going to now that uh l5r legend of the five rings ryoko Wari city of lies has finally finished august 20th um <laughs> it and we've and we've already talked about um as players like what we thought about it players and myself as the gm what we thought about the game i figured you Uh, David, you and I could talk about as people who've run games many times um, some big issues or kind of topics that come up that we face some challenges with. And
1: what we've learned along the way.
0: And what we've learned along (laughs) the friends that we made along the way were the real treasure. Yeah. um, Oh my god. I have diabetes according to this sample. (laughs)
1: I've been eating asparagus according to this.
0: Yeah. Mm. Anyhow. Uh, But yeah, so one of the ones that I wanted to talk about is in the L5R game. um, Prior to when we're recording this, maybe two weeks ago uh, was the episode that Tayo, uh, in which Tayo was killed, your character was killed. Today's episode that just was published is where um, that mystery is totally solved. Mm -hmm. who killed tayo and also uh, the big mystery that brought the new magistrates into the city to start with but pc death is something that i wanted to talk with you about so when player characters die when it's a when it would be appropriate to have those character to have pcs die um how that should work what that should look like in a game and what it shouldn't look like i don't know if you had any thoughts or yeah bouncing sofas of
1: bouncing sausages
0: yeah bouncing sausages <laughs> my favorite band <laughs> bouncing souls cover band um but they just talk about meat products
1: <laughs> um yeah pc death is pretty interesting it's um i think with the uh, you know like the dominant game like dnd i think it's interesting like if you just look at the the additions it's like harder and harder for, for pcs to die probably yeah. for that chick track thing
0: yeah because you don't want that to happen you don't want you don't want to go full tom hanks in mazes and monsters absolutely um
1: but yeah i think it's um like the uh i don't know i don't want to speak for all of them but it seems like the predominant like stance is like pc death is awful it's terrible never do that to a player but um sometimes it can be really interesting i thought um like I, i think before um oh and here Here's where we can get into the suggestion thing. I think um, before the game started, you were kind of like L5R is pretty dangerous. You guys could die. Like you never know. Mm-hmm. And then I think um, around like a little bit before that happened, I think uh, I told you, um, you know, Tayo's maybe run his cur his course. He might if it ends up happening.
0: Like whatever
1: if I'm remembering correctly, or maybe that was earlier in the campaign.
0: Yeah, you, you, we definitely did have that conversation about Tayo, like how much more you could get out of that character and to get not too into the nitty gritty of the L5R game. Your character had been almost like so scared by this conspiracy and the various conspiracies around them, that uh, you were playing the character as like, oh, I can't leave the house. I have to just kind of sequester myself away to stay safe. I have to hide in my panic room with um, <laughs> either Helen Hunt or Jodie Foster. I forget who was in that movie about panic rooms. <laughs> but um, I, I wonder, is that part of the issue? Is it like, okay, well, it makes sense for a character to die when there's no there's no realistic place else where they can go. Like there's no more development as a character. And I remember when people were reviewing the individual episodes of Game of Thrones, one of the jokes they made about um Braun. Braun?
1: Yeah. Yeah, Braun.
0: Yeah. Uh uh Braun. Yeah. So was that when Braun chooses not to go after the gold and instead save Jamie Lannister from this dragon, it's like, oh, okay, he's made his. He's no longer greedy. He's now possibly sacrificing himself for others. That guy's got a real ticking clock on his head for the rest of this show because that's how it goes with these characters. He made a he learned something and now he's going to die. Um do you think that that's a possible good place to say like okay, it maybe is possible to kill this character because they've made their arc, they've transitioned from uh, in some kind of way where now that we've seen them change in this way, we kind of got everything that we're going to get out of them.
1: Yeah. Especially with um, like, it might be a different kind of animal, the powered by the apocalypse games too, Mm -hmm. because um, you can only advance so far. And uh, yeah, so it's, I think it's, and you change a lot each level. So it's uh, like easier to make kind of a character arc out of that. And also many of the games, I think like L five are this version of it might've been one of the ones that didn't, I kind of forget, but you also have the option of like change characters, mm-hmm. um, which I think I was, I don't know if I was, I don't remember if I was toying with that or not, but both those would be like good options. If you felt, you know, your character kind of had that kind of, um, I don't know, satisfying conclusion, you know, instead of just spinning wheels, like Bron ended up doing, you mm-hmm. uh, know,
0: that show hmm yeah because i think that i mean i would definitely say and i think you would probably agree and then i make a crazy insane political (laughs) statement you'd probably agree with that right uh no the i think you'd probably probably agree most of these uh, politicians should be hanged uh like i think you'd probably agree that like kind of random encounter-esque stuff in D&D is not the way to go, usually with character death, where it was like, well, I rolled on the chart, and it turns out you guys run into a troll, and then that troll just clubbed you to death, that that's probably not a good way to deal with character death, like with PCs, um, that you'd want it to mean something more than that. Do you think I'm summarizing your ideas well? um
1: yeah i feel that's kind of tricky i don't i don't know if i would 100 percent agree with you um mostly but i I feel like um i mean if we're going back to game of thrones too like the uh just like the unsatisfying death can be kind of interesting depending on the setting too i think that's a lot of you know like genre and setting dependent Mm -hmm. um yeah like with i think with l5r we're kind of setting it up like we established that it's based on a game that everyone's carrying, you know, razor, like three foot long razor blades that could, and you're made of a oh, fleshy water balloon, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could die at any point. So I had that in the back of my head, I think throughout the whole thing. But, um, but yeah, I, if it's a, yeah. Okay, I'm trying to think of how, <laughs> oh. I do agree with you to some extent too, especially based on the game. Cause it's, I remember we had a game that I ran. Um, one of the characters died because it was like, well, I, I don't want to deal with this wound. Just kill this character. I'm done. Mm-hmm. Um, which was um, maybe satisfying for them. But I remember it was like, oh, I have so many other things to happen. I feel the other players too are like, I I was going to interact with this. Uh, character in so many different ways kind of sucks that now that's not an option. So it's, I guess it's kind of a, like a conversation you should have based on it. It can be interesting, but I I might, you may have convinced me through myself discussing it, but uh, yeah, for the story, it can be really unsatisfying.
0: I could see, I could see within the story. If part of the characters thing is like, Oh, that, that game of Thrones example again, Uh, using uh, Brawn as that example, like, oh, this character had been very, very selfish beforehand, or this character had been very risk-averse, or this character had been, like, a coward, or that kind of thing, and then in a random encounter with the troll that comes out of the forest, um, the troll is, like, absolutely beating to death the rest of the party, and then this person, this character sacrifices themselves to do that. I think that that could work out, but This leads me into another question about the same thing. When you're dealing with a character's death, do you think it is, um, I don't want to say incumbent. I don't know if that's the right word. Do you think it is like, it's it's necessary for the, the person running the game, if it is a game that's run by somebody, to hand over a lot of the narrative to the person whose character is dying to say like, okay, well, since this is the last time we're seeing this person and you were that person, you tell us how this goes.
1: Uh yeah, for sure. That that's probably the way to do it. Um either way. Okay. I think, yeah, I think that's a really good suggestion just in general if if you um you know decide the the lethality in this game is going to be, you know, up there. <laughs> mm-hmm. When they if when and if they any of these characters do die, I think it's a uh, yeah, that makes total sense. Just be like, well, based on this, you're going to die, but how, how so? Yeah. And yeah, I guess it's sort sort of relate to that. Like, um, it's always tricky to kind of balance the, uh, you know, the, the game and the, I don't know, the story dichotomy there, mm-hmm. like make a good story, but we're also playing a game. Like we're not just, you know, around a campfire doing a thing. So it's, if you, and I, I don't, like if people do this, that's, that's their own game. That's fine. But for me, it's, it's um, you're, like, you're almost taking some of the fun out of it. If it's just um, like, we're not really going to use the game mm-hmm. or we're going to ignore the game in this particular way, because like, for instance, y- you can't die in this D and D campaign. Don't worry about it. Don't even worry about hit points or whatever. Um, we're going to ignore that aspect. It makes it less, uh, I don't know, interesting or like exciting for me and maybe some other people. Hmm. If that makes sense.
0: I'm, yeah. I. In regard to the L5R game, one of the things I ran into with both uh Tone's character, um, Aji, and Andrew's character, Ugaray, was that both of them were regularly getting the shit beaten out of them. <laughs> like, a lot. Like, Ugaray was going to be, like, sacrificed, basically, to by the Moon Cult. Later on, um, Aji got in a duel where he should have died. And that stuff happened pretty regularly. And at some point, I know in a lot of, certainly like superhero type stuff and in lots of TV dramas and movies, like the main characters are the main characters. And so they withstand things that a normal person probably would not be able to at all, or certainly not recover from um, easily. And yet they do. Uh, I ran into several times like, okay, how do I, and I guess this is the, the next big thing. When you're in a situation where it really makes sense that this character just straight up die, how do you how do you find a good way to either like kind of bend the river <laughs> around that particular issue and not have it seem so blatant of like, oh, well, in a James Bond movie, James Bond doesn't die, duh, kind of a thing. Or how do you, or and when slash how do you just say like this character should die? How do we best do this? And I ran into that problem a lot in this L five R game because, like I said, there would there would be times where honestly it would have been probably more. <laughs> it certainly would have been more interesting at times for some of those characters to have just died and then other people to come in.
1: Yeah. I think um, in this one, uh, this is coming back to me now, like a few, a few of these uh, near death experiences Mm -hmm. could in hindsight have been more interesting that way for sure. I think um, the, uh, the way I would or have, or would suggest other people to do it at least is to um, yeah, just throw it to the player. Like you were kind of Mm -hmm. getting at before, like, I think that's probably, if I remember correctly, how you did it with Tayo too. Like, wow, you're probably going to die here, right? Do you think there's a way out of here, or do you think this is like the end? And mm-hmm. if the character, or the player, rather, is like, yeah, I think you're probably right. You know, like giving the uh, the final say to them, I guess, the veto mm-hmm. power, I guess.
0: Okay. So do do you think that's that's an important thing? Is that the player essentially have veto power over that?
1: um yeah i mean we're making fun of that chick track thing but Mm -hmm. uh it kind of uh to some degree is sort of true like a lot of people do get really uh attached to some of these characters especially when you play like a longer game like this one was was really long um like i was sad to see tayo go um you know there's there's a like an emotional response to it if if you uh you know want it to or not so i would probably err on the side of caution there like is it, is it okay? I'm not just taking away this beloved character you sunk all these hours into. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, if it's... Well, I, I think Apocalypse World 2 has a lot of fail-safes with that. I think they're... Did we use... Did they have, like, a scar thing? Like, you can come back, but a stat's minus one or something.
0: Yeah, I know Apocalypse World has that. The L5R game had that. Um, Dungeon World doesn't, but it's far, far easier to heal in Dungeon World.
1: Oh, and they have and, resurrection uh,
0: spells and such too. Yeah, that kind of stuff is very, very common. That was the thing in the L5R game that I, I wanted that realism to be there and I wanted the harm to have consequences so I didn't let you guys heal very regularly. But the thing that I regret was that essentially just meant that there was this number sitting there on the sheet and that didn't mean very much. Andrew, I think, embraced it a bit where he was like, oh, my character now walks around with a cane, um, he seems like he's been injured, he seems more frail. Uh, but essentially, my attempt to make things more realistic and more deadly, given that you were in these violent circumstances regularly, I feel kind of fell flat. And all it meant was that you guys were sitting around with these numbers, and we just had to more often encounter these like, oh, well, you should have died, but instead, actually, yeah. So uh, that's again, a regret of mine to a certain degree.
1: Like way easier to say in hindsight. But yeah, I guess if someone was at, you know, four out of five harm for like a session or two, mm-hmm. like that could have been an opportunity to be like, hey, Brandon or whomever. Um, do, you, do you think your character, do you want your character to die? Because these, these wounds are pretty serious. Um, what Are you open to that or should
0: we, what should we do here? Hmm. Yeah. All right. So like so much else in this, I guess in the end, it comes down to it's a conversation between the players and the GM. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Probably every problem is solved. It's really that. that, Yeah.
0: Hmm.
1: Yeah. I, I didn't think of that at the time, but
0: now very easy to say. Yeah. And I've, I've, I've run into that. I do like, in some of the other games that there are almost mechanics to be like, well, I guess it is there in those Powered by the Apocalypse games, of that there's a mechanic to say, like, actually, I was supposed to die, but I dodged that bullet at the last minute. Or I got super, super injured, but somehow I pull through because I did blah, blah, blah. And I, I like that because it gives a mechanic aspect that if this keeps going on, I think, like, if you've had to lower every stat, but I think Andrew and uh, Tone's characters both had had to lower, like at least two or three of their five stats, because they just kept getting killed. Andrew had a roof collapse on him; he was yeah. like sacrificed by moon a moon cult, and all all kinds of crazy shit happened to him.
1: Yeah, and and now after the fact, I feel like um, I kind of regret um, having Tayo die like so soon like so close to the end. Mm -hmm. I think it was like only a handful of episodes
0: uh, after. Yeah, um, there are, there are four more episodes after today, since today's episode was, was published. There's four more episodes and they are, and Tayo died two ago. So there are a total of six episodes. That's probably like two or three sessions after. Yeah, and I think even Tayo died, possibly in the middle of that game session, and so then like some of the stuff from one of the ep- like one of the episodes that came out was just the second half of the game session of like, all right, well, Tayo's dead. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, but you think you think that dying that late in things was kind of shitty. Um,
1: now I sort of regret only only that part of it.
0: I was like, man, um,
1: now that we everything is kind of coming like wrapping up, I like if only tie over there, hmm. but I think it was still uh yeah like I think there's um like in the epilogue and everything we did touch on the the twins and everything,
0: mhm, yeah, we did, oh, throat made a gross noise, <laughs> all right. Well, our next topic, if you're, if oh, you're down, I was oh, going to ask
1: you real fast before we, before we move on, although we've probably spent too much on this topic already. But um, have you ever had any um, characters that you were playing die that were that, like, were memorable to you or hmm?
0: And if so, were they handled well or poorly? Um, you ran a scup game. It was the same game that you referenced before where a character got injured and the player just didn't want to deal with it. And so they were like, "Eh, no, just have the character die. It doesn't matter. But I think they just weren't really interested in playing. Yeah. Um, In that same game where I was very interested in playing, um, I at the very end of the game chose to have my character die. But that was like a choice I made. I was like, oh, I'll retire my character to safety basically just so I can narrate their death and like here's how that goes so i kind of took it upon myself for that character to die in that way
1: the safety of oblivion
0: yeah um yeah i sort of remember that now and i thought i thought that was good i wish i had actually done that a little bit earlier so that way it um made more of an impact because when we played it i narrated it at the very very like in the very last couple moments of the last session. And so it was like, okay, I narrated this and then we just moved into epilogues and it's like, well, hmm. essentially everybody got to do the thing that I was doing. Yeah. Um I remember other games where a character died. Honestly, no. I don't think any game I've had a character like in the middle of stuff die.
1: Yeah, it couldn't and-
0: I would be, I'd like to think I'd be a, more okay with it. And I'm trying to think what I'd want for myself to be okay with it. And I think that issue of like, okay, since this character is going away, there should be an element of narrative control that's handed over to me. Since I'm saying this character's going away, this should be a big moment. Here's how it is a big moment. So I think that's probably the way to do that.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and I, Actually, you, you said something that makes me want to clarify, too. Um, I feel if I had the choice, I would probably kill Tayo earlier. Mm-hmm. Like, instead of not at all, I was like, wait, am I saying? Like, hopefully it's not coming across like, well, I only killed him like right at the end was the problem.
0: No, I think I think that, I think that came across that if you had killed him off, that you if if Tayo had died Earlier it would have pushed some of those things that we ran into and were like kind of kick-started by Tayo's death. I think yeah. it would have maybe kicked that into higher gear and either made the game shorter, which I don't think would have been bad, or um maybe just like allowed for more information to come out because your next character, Asako Anjo, came in and came in at a very different level of like information. Yeah. And like, okay, I'm I'm involved with one of these conspiracies, and I know what's going on. And so, since I know what's going on, I kind of already have these answers to these things, and can connect more of these dots. So that yeah, would have those, been interesting to see.
1: Yeah, changing characters was definitely um, interesting for me or fun to do. Although you, an- another practical thing is, I would I think I was uh, my first choice was um, that witch hunter guy, Kuni mm-hmm. Renio. Yeah, yeah, um, but
0: th- I think he died like the session before. Tayo did. I'm like, yep. damn it. Yeah, he died very shortly before Tayo died, and then who was the other character that you said you were kind of interested in?
1: Hmm. I don't know. Oh, I think the maybe the duelist guy.
0: Maybe oh, that would have been. I was considering him. That would have been super interesting, but
1: I was yeah, like,
0: two scorpions. No way. Yeah, that's true. Well, speaking of duelists. Um, one of the things that we ran into with that game was character investment and character drives. And mm-hmm. I think that uh, I guess our, that's a transition. <laughs> yeah. Well, our res, our resident duelist oh, okay. was a character who often seemed to lack a lot of drive. Um, I, as the person running the game ran into problems with motivating tones, character, to get him to do stuff. The good thing was I felt he was most, he was the most amenable to hard framing scenes of you're here and doing this thing. And he'd kind of go along with it, no problem. But part of that seemed like he didn't necessarily have a strong motivation for the character. So plopping him down into any of these scenes um, was fine.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Um, Andrew's character, Yugare, on the other hand, did have some motivations, but sometimes motivating him into a particular direction and getting him involved with things seemed difficult. Um, and so we ran into, I guess maybe it's less of a matter of motivation, but direction where it'd be like, okay, what are you doing? I'm going to wander around the city and, uh, just look around like, okay, that's not unreasonable. That's not insane. Mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's not super, it it would be weird if in a movie, so many elements of the character discovering stuff was them being like, I'm just going to take a walk and them just walking around the city and then something mm-hmm. running into them. Like that does happen. That's basically how every law and order starts. Um,
1: I was going to say that that's a, that's a big thing in like um, what, like film noir stuff, like the protagonist gumshoe or whatever. Mm-hmm. it's just like well i'm just a hapless idiot I'm just wandering around drunk and then stuff happens to them
0: yeah it's kind of a
1: a hallmark of that yeah i don't know if if you can be described as a, a film noir character but
0: he yeah <laughs> but i think motivating some of those characters at times was tough um yeah i think you too was was a really interesting character but
1: he was set up as um, I think Andrew kind of, um, I don't know. Thought of him originally as well, Hold like on. Let's get him
0: on the line. Hold on, Andrew. Come on in. <laughs> it didn't work.
1: No, <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, he kind of, I think thought of him as a, like a monk at first and you're like, mm-hmm, don't do a monk yeah. though. And he kind of did monk by way of Shugenja. Yeah. And so it was, I think probably the problems or the maybe um, concerns you had with someone playing a monk kind of came off or came out. It's like, I'm more focused inwardly. I'm more like a, I don't know, like turtling. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't want to make decisions kind of character. He was playing it well, but like, it's not um, uh, super easy to have that player in there. And I think to to be fair too, I think by the end when Tayo got really paranoid about everything. I was definitely doing the turtling thing too. And in mm-hmm. hindsight, again, it's like, that was a bad decision for a player character to have or oh.
0: mindset to have. I think, and we've run into this problem with, uh, characters. I think we ran into this problem with Yugare um, long ago when we had played L5R with, um, with some folks that very long game that I ran where I ran the, uh, the bells of the dead module that L5R game years and years back. Oh, oh yeah. Um, the monkey clan one. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I ran into the same problem with uh, folks years like in high school when we were playing a vampire, the masquerade game. You'll have a character who theoretically has this worldview or this vision. And I think I talked to Sean Nittner and um, I forget who was the co-host of that episode was, but this was one of the things I talked about on narrative control. Was the idea of like motivating characters? Jim Jim Cocker
1: or something like that? Was that him?
0: Or is that someone else? I don't know. Anyway, Um, another person. (laughs) Yeah. um, But they, one of the things we would run into was a character who's like, I'm all about, like, I'm a samurai, but I'm really out there to help. We ran into this problem in that, like, Bells of the Dead game. I'm a samurai, but I'm really there about helping like common people. I'm this this ascetic monk almost who, Uh, like, yeah, they're from the samurai cast, but they're, they're interested in helping the common people and being more like the common people and kind of trying to push them to act on that and them not acting on those motivations that they theoretically have. Andrew would all often have in this game. I felt like certain ways to go and it was tough to get him to sometimes go in those directions. Uh, a good thing that I think he did was he often would recognize it where he'd be like, yeah, Yugare doesn't like that, but he's going to let it go. Mm -hmm. Like he would say that kind of thing of like, Oh, well that shouldn't happen, but all right, it's gonna. And so I appreciated that he at least recognized it. I ran into that kind of stuff in the past with, um, the vampire game where since vampire has that system of humanity, that mm-hmm. there was a character who was very, very into the idea of being human and holding on to as much of that humanity as possible. But then they did the same stupid shit that everybody does in those vampire games where it's like, <laughs> hold on, I get my trench coat and I have my two sawed off <laughs> shotguns and I go into the, the, uh, the, the place and I shoot everybody. And you're like, okay, well that doesn't really jive with what's going on when you're acting like a fucking Sylvester Stallone character in the beginning of Cobra. <laughs> So, um, that, that's always been a thing that's, that's bugged me. And like, how do you get a person to, how do you motivate somebody to kind of take their character's premise or idea and put it into action in in a way that moves the story? Yeah. Um,
1: and, um, I think the, so the advice I would give here is that, um, it's more of a, like a player player facing problem. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I won't cheer on you for one, one segment, at least Austin. Okay. Oh, you're not off the hook though, because I remember in Demi humans, I,
0: I think I kind of had this problem with you too, with, uh, uh your dwarf character. Yeah. Um, and Tick actually, Cain. and actually one of the, one of the, um, other things that I have, the divergence between GM and player vision is specifically, mm-hmm. I was, that was what I, oh, okay. things I was thinking of. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. You're, you're good.
1: Um, but yeah, I think, um, so my advice to players too, and I, I messed this up in the L5R thing too, which I'll get into in a second, but, um, to have, um, like a really strong drive or motivation going into it. Like I have this, Oh, hold on. Sorry. I was just checking to see how, Hey. Okay. um, anyways, the food's done. Okay. Do you want me to just take the dog out then? Yeah. Okay. All right. <clears throat> um, what was I saying
0: about ten? Oh, yeah, um, facing.
1: Yeah, uh, it's really important to have um, for players like starting or making a new character to like have a drive. A lot of like systems do this. I know um, what the Burning Wheels famous for it. I think, but uh, it's really good to have in general. Like just have like a really strong motivation or something that you're trying to attain or like a goal to like you're trying to. A- Accomplish this goal, because um, I think uh, so speak. Going back to Tayo, I think I had um, I'm trying to. This was this game was a while ago, but I think I had his um thing just to get more power in the city, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, not be exposed like the secret exposed, and then later it kind of shifted into, um, I've got to protect my family, and while protecting family is like interesting sort of, um, I feel like for the game, it was kind of bad. Cause like I was kind of hinting at it earlier, kind of made Tayo just like turtle up and just be paranoid mm-hmm. and just like, well, I'm not going to do anything then can't I, I'm not going to leave the house or fight anything or deal with any, any plot happening in this entire city. And um, looking back, like that was dumb. Like it made, it made logical sense. So That's kind of why it was maybe time for Tayo to go, but not the best uh, like dynamic drive to pick because, you know, you got to pick them carefully. Like what will make the most interesting story or get me this character to, you know, being involved in as many things as
0: possible, I guess. Do you think those motivations or uh, yeah character motivations or drives should almost always like require or necessitate some kind of external action? rather than just like, Oh, I can go off and do this on my own. Like as, as I'm saying it, I'm already finding a million exceptions to it, but (laughs) like, like a thing that you can't like, for instance, for instance, I want to protect my family or keep my family safe is uh, often a more reactive thing Mm -hmm. um, of, well, when things start out, there doesn't seem to be a ton of danger for you or your family. Like, okay, well, so then the, then the matter is not very important. And then you're just kind of like shrinking in, like you had said. So if it's more, should it have to be more proactive than reactive? Yeah. That's, that's a
1: really good way to put okay. it. Like make really proactive drives or motivations to, mm-hmm. you know, get you out of the house to actually play this game. Yeah. True enough. Yeah. We
0: could all use to get out of the house more often.
1: Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, I think Tayo by the end, uh, when I shift it, because, yeah,
0: like, I guess
1: reiterating again, just like at first, Tayo was like, I'm going to become the kingpin of the city. I'm going to get as much power, get all the riches and be great. And then shift it to, well, my family's in danger. I can't let anything happen. Hmm. And, um, yeah, I think um, it definitely would have benefited. Like it. Cause when you have a clear kind of goal that you're looking for, it'll make you, it's easier to role play that and, uh, you know, make decisions based on that instead of just, I don't know, roll the dice to see which door I take. I don't care. Yeah. Which I, that's like a pet peeve of mine. Austin definitely knows. I'm like, yes. uh, don't roll the dice to make a character decision. Just
0: pick what's more interesting. God. Damn right. It. Yeah. Yeah. We've given people problems about that before. <laughs> yeah. Um, Okay. Yeah. Those character motivations can be tough. And I think there are, I think you also have to come into, especially if you're playing with like, I almost said a mixed group, but that doesn't quite mean anything. (laughs) I was going to say like people who have maybe different role-playing game experiences or different gaming experiences. And so if you're playing with a group who maybe doesn't think about it as like a story thing first, um these games haven't come out yet, but the game that we played with my cousins, mm-hmm. um, like the the motivations that they had for stuff were very, very different than the motivations you usually have for a character. Um, when I played with um some of the Bradenton guys and my neighbor, uh, which is another game that'll come out in a long while. Um mm-hmm. that was another thing of like, well, when you have a character characters who don't have really strong motivations that are already there getting some of that kind of better information about them and their character can be tough. And so maybe setting that standard earlier on, Um, we played an apocalypse world game that I ran long, long ago, the drown town game that was like Orlando, but in water world, Orlando. And at the very end, I was trying to wrap things up. And with one of the characters, I was like, Oh, this is a character you had said was an enemy of yours what did you really do to like, we've been hinting at, like you had wronged this person or they they're after you. What did you do to make them do this? And I remember they had the, the player had just such a, like a flippant thing of like, I don't know. They liked a girl and I, I was there instead of them or something like that. Like they had such a very, it's, it seems so minor that it was like, oh, they, they kind of treated it very flippantly, and their their whole goal was like, oh, this shouldn't be a big thing. But um, I remember trying to continually push this character, what was the real answer? But maybe that should just go on early on of like, you know, have these motivations, like try to come up with these things early on. They don't have to be super defined, they can be very broad, but that way when you're in a situation where it's like you don't have any clues you don't know what to do next you always have a go to thing of well my thing here is I'm a greedy businessman who wants to expand their business Mm -hmm. so I'm going to try to do that like I have to I'm calling up the radio station and buying ad time on on the radio that might be a Mm -hmm. little thing but like okay you're doing it or I'm going to try to Uh, call up this company and, and and merge with them, that kind of deal. So I think that could probably work. Yeah. So I think, um,
1: drives for sure are the, the, the big suggestion for players, especially, but I think to, um, like on the GM side, like the, uh, the other thing for, to kind of encourage investment, you know, is to, uh, get, um, like collaboration. You know, like I was, uh, what reminded me of it was when I brought up that monkey clan thing, like the backstory of that is we played this L5R thing for a long time. And, uh, at some point I got in my head like, all right, you know, what's, what would be the coolest thing ever is to make a whole new clan. And I got way too excited about it. And you were running from a, another module and you're like, mm-hmm. David, goddamn, we're not doing this monkey clan thing. Can we just finish this story now? Yeah. And I'm like, no, we got to do this thing this i'm really excited about it um so that's a bad example of it but a g- better example is kind of like what you were saying a little bit before like um like with your um like the example of um that player who was oh h- how did you um reconcile with this other npc or something just like asking a lot of questions and like noting them down and like bringing them back cuz you're i think just it's a Human being thing, anything, any story idea that you suggest that comes back later that people reincorporate, you're instantly going to be more invested than you would be normally, which is really tricky playing um, from a module like you were here. There's a uh, not as many opportunity as, opportunities to have that kind of stuff as you normally would probably.
0: Okay. What well, was that? Is that a segue to skip over one of our questions and get into running stuff from a module? Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that makes sense. So this game, as we probably already said in the debrief, we used a Powered by the Apocalypse World system in part because it would be quicker for everybody to learn the game. Um, and we had previously, I'm most familiar with L5R 2nd Edition and the module that we were using the Ryoko Wari City of, or the City of Lies module from 1998 um, mostly by Greg Stoles was um, written for the first edition of L5R, so already there's some translation. But aside from just the game issues and the system that we used, I think some of the stuff in the module we ran into some issues with, but I'll let you hop in here about that.
1: Oh, And to be fair, I think we started soon after the, uh, the newer edition, the Fantasy Flight one came out yes and, and we, we even made, tried that briefly yeah we made character we spent like an entire afternoon making characters and after that we kind of all looked at each other and it's like this game doesn't sound fun let's not do that. it would or it would It maybe would require- i'm being biased but i i was like uh this game is not does not seem exciting to me
0: well i will say my my opinion of that system was it was going to require like it would require all of us to learn it. So one of the bad things about it was it wasn't even like the L5R 2nd edition where I could be like, oh, here's how you do this and explain it. None of us knew it. Mm -hmm. So all of us coming in, trying to learn this system at the same time, while it puts us on a level playing field, it also means no one can assist anyone else.
1: Yeah. Um, But yeah, so how'd you feel about the Was this the first time you ran that module? Didn't you start to run it before or something?
0: I had run a version of this back in high school with some of my buddies from uh, Bradenton. And one of the things we ran into with this is, first of all, the Ryoko Warrior, the City of Lies box set is set up as a sandbox game. And in that capacity, I think, I remember when I first got this, when I was like 16 or 17 years old, I thought it was Brilliant. I was amazed at how much work went into it. There are so many different NPCs. The NPCs have different motivations. They have secrets. They have all these all these things about them. Um, there's like the world itself, there's these different neighborhoods with these different characteristics. And then there are these plot hooks that are little things, like, oh, um, like uh like there's an ogre spotted out in the countryside. And like the the magistrates hear about it, but they also realize that other people in town have heard about it, and they want to go stop this ogre, and it, because because it would be like a like a boon for them to be the ones who defeated this ogre, and so there becomes this race to be the first one to defeat it. Mm-hmm. Um, let alone the plus, then actually fighting it is difficult too. Uh, so there's all these things that were in there, plus um, the big conflict between the opium cartels that we're still dealing with. Well, we've pretty much wrapped that up basically in the game. Um, Plus like the conflict with the opium cartels was there and was this really detailed story that I was just fascinated by. And I remember running it in high school and we ran into this problem of um, I would just keep throwing things at them to the point where it was like, okay, when you think about it, it's probably day five that you've (laughs) Mm -hmm. been in in Ryoko Wari as the new magistrates and it's day five and you've already encountered 17 different adventure prompts and uh yeah and I did some of this I had some of the same problems where I tried to make things too subtle I tried to like give little clues here and there that would eventually lead to something and they never did because we ran out of patience and ran out of time Mm -hmm. so when we're doing this I was really excited to do that as having more experience but I think there were some hiccups to say the least. Yeah, so
1: it was mostly you kind of focus on the opium war stuff, right?
0: Yeah, my my game plan had been once we hit session between se- session 8, 9 or 10, I would introduce the start of the opium war stuff. And so the the first thing with that is when that opium warehouse gets robbed. And I think Hmm. I waited till 12 or 13 to do it, which I think was a mistake. Um, But then it also kept dragging and dragging and dragging. So I I waited longer than I should have to really have the big story kick in. Um, So that's a regret.
1: Yeah, right. So... I've run a few of these um, like recent ones, which will come out in the future from modules too. Um, and I, I feel almost like um, I'm running into that same problem. Like I'm introducing stuff way too late. Mm-hmm. I think maybe with, um, yeah, I don't know if it's a, a module specific piece of advice or just in general, or maybe just how we run the two of us run games, but, um, I'd like try to front load as much as possible. Maybe as the suggestion, I would give like what you just said, more or less. But
0: I I have fallen into that same trap. I guess is what I'm trying to say. I think I think a thing that could come out and be useful also is to discuss like what is the kind of game that this module is set up to be. And mm-hmm. so within L5R, within the Ryokawari game it's basically like it's samurai detectives going, um, samurai detectives in a super corrupt city. And I think I tried to make that part pretty clear. And early on uh, you gave like Andrew as an example, and Andrew was like, oh, I should be a monk. And I was like, that's not gonna work out because you're supposed to be detectives. Mm -hmm. If you're a monk, that's not really gonna work super well. And I think I said, like, if that's all you're interested in doing, we can force it to work and figure a way to make it work. But it really, that doesn't make a ton of sense.
1: Um, I think Tone's original concept was he just, he only wanted to be a chef, right?
0: Yeah, he won. he (laughs) initially had said, oh, I'm going to be, yeah, I'm going to be a chef. I'm going to be a cook. And that came up, I think, a whopping one time in the whole game. Mm-hmm. Where he had wanted to be wanted to be a chef or wanted to be a cook, and uh, it came up from something I wrote in rather than him ever bringing it up. But oh, really? It's funny. Yeah, um, but that that's an example of like that wouldn't really fit with what was going on. Um, similarly, within that part of that game was supposed to be like dealing with corruption, and so one of the good things was that we had Tayo who became kind of the inside the insider with the, the cartels like Taya was kind of the dirty cop working with the cartels. Um, and so we got to see a lot more in previous games that I'd played in high school. I played a, a version of that where we were using this module and no one was interested in being the dirty cop. So since no one was interested in doing that, there was all this stuff that we never saw. We never saw the inner workings of the cartels because, you know, the magistrates were always the opponent of the cartels. So figuring that stuff out was super, super tough. Um, so I think what kind of module this is and what kind of story you're trying to run really needs to be discussed beforehand because otherwise you can kind of flounder around a little too much. And given that that is supposed to be a sandbox setup where you can just wander around and encounter all of this shit all over the place. It's almost more open to that of like, Oh, well, I have another idea for this character that really would work in a slightly different version like that. It could change, it could change stuff up.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. I think, um, yeah, kind of general, uh, suggestions about running a module that I've kind of learned is that, um, like it's for me, it's, oh, getting back to what I was saying, like the, um, oh, I forget what I said before, but the, uh, like getting player buy-in, um, mm-hmm. to kind of make motivation and investment happen. um, like it's important to kind of see the uh modules as almost like a i don't know like an outline and be ready and um excited about changing it however you need to like I remember the uh upcoming dungeon world module that we did um went off like really fast like differently than what the module is supposed to be doing um and the, the other module I'm doing now, the D&D one is more or less stayed the same. But um, I think at any moment it can veer off pretty, you know, significantly. But I, I know you said uh, we, we veered off pretty significantly from the oh.
0: Module 2, right? Yeah, I think in the debrief we talk about this, how the game had, while the module really, really heavily encouraged that like, oh the opium cartels are going to try to get a magistrate on their like payroll and try to get like a inside man when, when it comes to the magistrates and um, it, the entire opium war storyline, that big conflict does not account for what if one of the characters is their inside man. Mm -hmm. Um, I think in a more traditional system that maybe could have worked differently. Where I could have said like, okay, well, all of the cartels are so scared that they're nervous about you as their inside man. And so they're boxing you out. And so because they're all superhumans, like when you roll, like it would be incredibly difficult for you to convince them to open up. But since we were using a Powered by the Apocalypse system, you could more easily get them to talk to you. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, but... I think that that aspect of like using a module being willing to change it, I do think is pretty important um, for sure. Like not being so married to it. And that's, that's a regret that I have was being as married to some of the stuff I said, once we get to this point in this game um, for us, it was when the, uh, the Bayushi warehouse burn is burned down. um, And in the module, they are basically like, oh, Bayushi Korchika, the head of the Bayushi cartel, will probably die. Mm-hmm. Well, my, my thought was like, well, once that happens, really, the rest of this plot kind of like spirals through and I'll, I'm fine to let it conclude however it concludes. But until that point, I was kind of nervous about relinquishing a lot of control because my thought was like, well, I have this cool story and I really want to get to it, But that comes down to that like idea of like sharing what's going on and sharing that control. And um, having a module can sometimes feel like a, I don't want to say a crutch. It can actually sometimes be restrictive because you think, oh, well, here's this thing. it's printed out. I have to get to it. It's so amazing. but you can you can go, you can do other things. you are not at all required to follow that. And it even fucking says so in the modules and in those <laughs> things. Um, and so that would be, that would be my suggestion there is like, don't be afraid to veer off from that. Um, I thought it was interesting often when we did veer off from that stuff, but you can, if you think that the module has a specific tone and a specific feel you can try to hold on to that and talk with your players about like, I'm fine with you guys really throwing a wrench in the works, but you know, if this is a, if this is a film noir, does it really make sense that this happens? Like maybe that doesn't, maybe that doesn't work out. Maybe this doesn't make sense. And um, I think you could kind of talk that stuff through.
1: Hey, that's a pretty good possibly accidental. Um, transition to the, one of the other topics to which one, uh, the one we skipped
0: to divergence between GM and player vision.
1: Yeah. Or setting expectations. I was thinking specifically, but yeah, probably. Okay. Depending on what you
0: mean by that. Let's see. Huh? Hmm. With this one, I had less, it was less of a thought in regard to the L5R game and just other stuff that we've run into. Mm Hmm. Um, there were little things in the L5R game that I didn't want to get into too much. Uh, whether they were too, it was, whether it was because it was too related to like the specifics of the setting. Um, but every now and again, I'll find as a player or as somebody running stuff that myself and the other person don't, aren't seeing eye to eye with what's going on. Uh, One of the things I'll find with that is like sometimes hard framing scenes can be rough because if you hard frame a scene for a character and say, okay, you're here and this is going on. And if the player isn't really so into that, if they're kind of like, well, why would I really be doing that? Or I don't kind of think I'd be into it as much. um, That can be tough. And it can be tough to, as a player player really want to shoot down the other person's idea. There were a few times in our DemiHumans game where you like kind of had a setup for what was going on. And I was like, I don't think Taint, like I understand that this would get tame to do something, but I don't feel that that's the thing that best fits with this character or that best fits with this world. Um, there were other times where I could tell that I would set up something with one of the the players in the L5R game and they would feel like, okay, well, how do I kind of quickly... It would seem like they were trying to quickly get out of that scene and kind of, hmm. like, make it end quickly. Um, or they, they felt like, okay, well, I'm obliged to play this through, but I don't have a connection to it myself. So they then became very passive, and so not a lot would happen. Hmm. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm wondering about how you run what your thoughts are on that stuff of when you're, you have an idea for the a player's character and where they fit into this stuff, but the player does not feel that that's necessarily where their character should be or what they would do. And so like, like what, where that kind of dissonance, uh, like how to deal with that.
1: No. Oh. Uh, yes. Okay. okay. Um, Yeah, I guess we should probably wrap up pretty soon. Yeah, go for um, it. Yeah, so... hmm. Well, see, as a player, I kind of love um, getting hard-framed into things, mostly. Most of the time. um, Because you kind of have to... uh, Yeah, almost, like, do the gymnastics of, oh, why did my character be here? What's happening? And, like, that's usually pretty fun to do uh, for me. But... Yeah, as as a, I get, if I were a GM and kind of people were pushing back on me, I think the, uh, I guess there's, there's like some room for negotiation there, right? Like um, you're, you're at a strip club. It's like, well, I am a grandma and I don't think I would really be um, really into going here. My character, maybe, you know, oh, well uh, maybe you're a, a sizzler then. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, that exact
0: thing did come up just recently
1: yeah (laughs) Um, yeah I guess I can see how um, yeah if it's something like just a wildly different um, view of what you think your character would be if you're hard framed into that it would be like I said, it's like fun to do the gymnastics of figuring it out. But if it's just something that's just like, this is 180 degrees. What I picture my character being like, I guess that would be like a different conversation too. like, mm-hmm. I don't think you really understand the character like I do. Or what if it's like this instead of like this? I guess this okay. might be the the default role playing games are a conversation.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I think that almost relates to uh, just kind of interpersonal relations of. Uh, you know providing maybe a suggestion like what if it was something that's close to what you're saying but different as opposed to just saying eh, i wouldn't do that and i i can remember in high school playing a game with a character who the the game took place on this like we made our characters beforehand for this D game and then afterwards it was like okay you're on this ship and this ship is blah 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 And one of the guys was like, why my character wouldn't be here. This doesn't make any sense at all. And, um, and I was like, okay. And I understood that then. And it wasn't until later when Lee had a game that he ran. um, And he basically said like, this is the premise of the game. So if you make a character, make sure they're okay with it. Because otherwise they, you know, if you're like, all right, in the movie Fargo, You know, all the characters who are like, I would never live in Fargo. In fact, I live super far away. They're not in the movie. (laughs) Like, yeah, all those characters you never encounter. Mm -hmm. uh, They're arguably not characters in the film. Um, But so that kind of like connection there. So I do think that I, I think you've got a good point of maybe try to have that discussion. If what someone's proposing diverges from what you're saying and maybe don't. As, as, as tough as it can be sometimes to kind of put up a roadblock or a speed bump, maybe don't be afraid to say like to reiterate what the point of your character is or what the motivation of your character is and question some stuff of why this might be. Cause I think that could actually work out better almost in like the internal monologues that we've talked about in some games Yeah. of, well, why is this character going here? And if you talk it out, that can be kind of a useful thing of like, Oh, so you're really going here maybe to do this. You're really going here. Not because you think that there's a clue, but you're really going to this uh, strip club because you're just, you're, you're fed up mm-hmm. and you don't think you'll find anything here. You're going here because you're like, you know what? I'm done. I'm just going to go to this place where I can blow off steam. Basically. Yeah. Um, it oh, and. That strip club, by the way, would be called the Whistle Stop, and it would have a steam whistle theme.
1: Well, naturally, yes. But um, yeah, I did want to. There's a couple of like uh, you know, widely used role playing tools that are pretty good for this. Um, like kind of the uh, if someone hard frames you in a like a like a scene that is um, like my character definitely wouldn't do that. I feel that's like an okay use of like the X card situation. Mm-hmm. like usually it's used for like something really uncomfortable. And I, I don't like this kind of thing. Like is its main purpose, but I feel you can also get a lot of use out of like, um, I got to X card that Let, This like breaks the tone of what I'm thinking of my character. Yeah. Like that's an okay use for it too. Like definitely a good tool for that. And the I'm sure we've explained the X card a hundred times,
0: but you know,
1: just like don't do this basically <laughs> let's stop and talk about it.
0: Yeah. That's, that's what X that's- cards for that's a good point of like kind of breaking the tone of what's going on is also, or, or following with the tone is also an aspect of like the social contract of the table. Um,
1: yeah, it kind of like takes a, like we
0: did this in the also
1: forthcoming avatar game a lot, but like taking a step up, I guess, or step back and it's like, okay, we're not in the actor's room. Now we're in the, uh, writer's room. And how can we figure this out? Like, let's talk about it as writers instead of, characters themselves you know um that's one good tool for that kind of stuff and also the uh the other tool uh cats like the the acronym so this is good to do um at the beginning of any new campaign or even like uh one shots and stuff sometimes Mm -hmm. i try to do it all the time but sometimes i don't you try to be
0: jellical when you can
1: absolutely we all should (laughs) um but uh yeah it stands for so, concept, aim, tone, and subject matter—like just going over those four things. You know, like, for, for, like oh, uh, this is a good exercise. Like, what, what would you present cats as for L five R? You're
0: restarting it for the for, okay for the concepts. The reboot. Um, Sin City Samurai Detectives. Yeah. So there's there's the concept. Perfect. And then yeah. the what's the, what's the next one? Um it's what would be right? the aim? Yeah. Like why why um, is this fun to play? Why is this fun to play? Yeah, that's that's a tough anyone who's listened will tell you that's a tough <laughs> one. Um How dare you yeah. Uh why is this why is this fun to play? What's the goal here? What's our aim? Probably or like, like what kind of emotions are you trying to elicit or oh and, and that comes out of the game, or does that come out of the tone? Um I think that's kind of the aim, right? Huh? I mean you can interpret that however. Okay, so I think you're trying to like unravel mysteries. That's one of the big things. Um, you're trying to deal with um, like corruption in this society that has a very different setup from our own. So, and trying to experience kind of the uh, the crime drama type of thing, like I said, in a society that's very different from our own.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. feudal
0: feudal Japanese detective is going to work out very, very different from like Law and Order. Yeah. Um,
1: And then, oh, tone is kind of, I kind of view that as, oh, what are some like genres that kind of apply or like also like what rating would you give this if it's um, a movie and um, like, is it jokey or not? Mm -hmm. Is it more serious? That kind of stuff.
0: That's yeah, I would for the L5R game, I think we had a hard time with that at times. I remember Mm -hmm. with, uh, I remember with that game that we ran, um, that Dungeon World game where we ran, where you guys were fighting against the people who thought the earth was round. Right. Um, Yeah. yeah, One of the things we discussed was that, uh, that it should be kind of a hard PG-13 kind of thing and that it should be uh, a lot like old eighties and nineties swords and source sword and sorcery kind of stuff. And I even showed that like core goth of barbaria Mm -hmm. cartoon, Um, or I sent like a link out to that of like, okay, watch this. It should be something like this where it's kind of nuts and a little bit over the top, but not body horror or like torture porn. Like, so Great. while it could be crazily violent, that violence is like cartoonish at times.
1: Yeah. In the second uh, episode or session, I think everyone was peeing on each other. If I remember there, correctly,
0: <laughs> there was a lot of urine. <laughs> yeah. A golden opportunity there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And then subject matter. So is the subject matter more like the specifics of the game? Um,
1: yeah. So how I, I understand it, it's mostly um oh, is there anything that could be offensive to people like that you should watch out for? And or is there something that like you should probably look at the Wikipedia article real fast to refresh or like get a kind of idea of what's going to happen? Okay. Like you don't have to be an expert, but be familiar with these things. And also these are potential things that could be uncomfortable for some people.
0: Okay. Hmm.
1: You know, like the TVMA, like the little graphic violence.
0: Gotcha. So many urine vectors Joke. yeah so many urine vectors <laughs> interesting uh but yeah vector vector man from the on the sega genesis was never the same yeah <laughs> might have been sega saturn but but yeah so
1: that yeah, l5 bar um, yeah just those cat things are really good cats is good to um like go over I'm, since i learned about that real, like you can find this online somewhere just search it pretty easy but um I feel that's really a like a good tool. Cause I feel most of the games I've been like that I run and I'm like, Oh man, looking back, I made so many mistakes. I could have done so many things better. It's cause I didn't set this stuff out ahead of time. Like it would have been really easy again, just to have a conversation like this is kind of what this game is. What I'm thinking of this game. Should we amend that? Is
0: does that work for all the players? I think that, I think that is probably a pretty useful thing to have, I think it also needs to be reiterated pretty regularly because it's, Mm. it's easy to forget some of that stuff, some of that information. It's easy to forget that like, Oh, the tone is supposed to be this. And it's also easy to take um, brief deviations from the, the tone or from whatever um, and instead make that the norm, especially when they're like kind of extreme so in like a murder mystery, like the Agatha Christie kind of style parlor mysteries or uh, parliament, whatever you want to call it. But like those murder mysteries, like for the most part, there's almost no violence in the story with the exception of it starts with the lights go out and someone's murdered. Yeah. And so, but so it's easy to take the like, okay, someone got murdered. Well, clearly regularly, what I need to be doing is bludgeoning people with candlesticks or wrenches or the revolver and the, conservatory or whatever it is and so i think it needs to at times be reiterated of like this is what this really is about it deals with a murder but you guys aren't uh like murder hobos right Right. this 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 is uh agatha christie this is murder on the orient express it's not rambo Mm -hmm. so yeah i i think that that can kind of come up and really in the end, it's just a conversation among the people <laughs> at the table.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> so, but yeah. Um, yeah,
1: and we kind of, that last topic, I think we kind of melded into the other stuff. Cool. But yeah, man. Yeah. So any, any closing thoughts here?
0: Um. I'm glad that I got to run that L5R game kind of to to its conclusion, even though it didn't use the L5R system that either was in the box or the system that I got used to playing in high school. I'm glad that I got to use that box set, which I thought was so brilliant. And I still really, really admire all the work that went into it, The, the, the gorgeous maps and artwork and all that stuff, and just the detail of coming up with all these characters. There were so many characters you guys never met but yeah, have all of wild. This background. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want to find a way in our games to help people with characters' names. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought having a book where there was a drawing of them, a description of them, and their name written out would help, but that did not. Um, and everybody would be like, who's the one guy with uh, hair? That's, uh, <laughs> it's like blue. It's like, that's it. Um, <laughs> so well, many sh-
1: sword boys.
0: Yeah, oh my god, yeah, that, please. So where's the, where's where's big unicorn? Where's where's the big unicorn at? Like, fuck, you're gonna make me explode. Um. But I'm very, very glad that we got to run that. I think that that game we also, as many problems as I had with it, we dealt with it more maturely at times than we could have. Nobody became just like a murder hobo mm-hmm. and like, like I was really, really shocked. One of the, one of the dilemmas you have with those kind of things is like Brandon's character. Ishi essentially was an unstoppable tank and he was not particularly violent throughout most of the stuff. And I think there were other people who other people in that situation who would just use that as like, all right, I'm just going to fight everybody. And he didn't. So to his credit, that was that was good. It fit more with the tone than uh, him just being like, I'm going to murder everyone. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm very, very glad that I ran that game. But it, I think, to, to toot our horn here, I think it is a very good example of how to and how to not run different aspects of games. I think there are a bunch of mis- missteps that we made that you can learn from but also a lot of really cool stuff that we did and that happened that you could learn from that too. Yeah. And if you can find all 105 examples <laughs> send them to us at, and you'll be entered into the drawing for the Dakota ring. <laughs>
1: um, Dakota fanning ring.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but yeah, actually if anyone, the, the three people listening to this, if there are like suggestions, I would love to hear them. Especially mm-hmm. uh how I played Tayo. I'm interested in that. You can shoot on Austin, that'd be fun. Hey.
0: Depends <laughs> what depends what you ate. <laughs> but yeah.
1: Yeah, that, that was um really fun. It was I think pretty sure it was probably the longest um like continuous power by the apocalypse game I've played.
0: Oh, powered by the apocalypse for sure. I thought you were going to yeah. say the longest game and I was like, no, we have played longer ones than that. Yeah. But we also we only skipped maybe 2 weeks that whole time. We played that game almost religiously every week. That's a good point. And we never had any sessions where we were missing a player. And I'm not a fan of not having all of the players at the at the table unless uh, like you've come up with stuff in the story for why they're there, why they're gone but we shockingly had everybody there for all of those sessions. And we played a total of t- almost 30 sessions. I think it was like 28 or 29 sessions. Plus then we got together and did the debrief. Um, It was impressive. Yeah. When you think it's about it,
1: the majority of a year.
0: Yeah, it was, it was a lot. And um, we, we, Pretty impressive.
1: I mean, I guess it did help two of the people lived with each other, mm-hmm. and
0: none of us had lives really. Right. So. <laughs> oh yeah, when we did it through the summer, I was very, I was much more, <laughs> much more free. So, all right. Well, on that note, yeah, I guess he, we can wrap well, stuff up. And, you did a uh, great job there, Austin. Thank you. The, I've, I've been practicing.
1: No, I, I really appreciate that. You did a, a great job as much as I bust
0: your balls. That was a that was a really fun game. Yeah, I will say with that game, one issue I one issue I had with that world was accents. Like mm. I like to, I love to do accents. I'm obviously not going to do, hopefully obviously not going to do that in a feudal Japanese world and just do like racist ass Japanese accents. Well, but then I really hope you that, would have learned Japanese for this but I try, I tried press. yeah I kept oh, I just couldn't the Rosetta Stone <laughs> program wasn't working no but I I obviously then wasn't gonna do other accents and almost like um uh Star Wars prequel styles of like well what if everybody from this clan is Irish like, mm-hmm. like oh these people are French like that wouldn't make sense either that'd be kind of goofy so then it came down to voices And I ran into the problem of like, okay, well, how can I make these people have distinct voices? And um, we did a thing which is just I would try to say, like, imagine this person is this actor or this actress. (laughs) And we still we still use that pretty regularly today. And I think that can be good. With the one problem of not everybody knows who the hell actors or actresses are. And so, for instance, whenever in the L5R game, I'd be like, imagine this person is uh, so-and-so. And And Andrew would be like, who the hell is that? I don't know who you're (laughs) talking about at all.
1: Yeah, Andrew uh, was the worst for that. I'm also pretty bad, but (laughs) yeah, Yeah. Andrew was always like, I don't know.
0: Unless they were in a Marvel movie, he had no idea who the person was. And and so, who was it? Um, The woman who's the star of How to Get Away with Murder. whose name i don't remember i now i can't remember her name but uh-huh. i was like oh this is the, this is the person who would likely play this character and andrew was like who and you go oh the lady from suicide squad who was in charge of this and i and he was like oh of course i know who that is <laughs> that's right. like yeah until you would do that with a marvel movie <laughs> or a dc movie until it was a superhero related thing he had no fucking idea Um, but that can happen a lot where it's like, not everybody's on the same page. So long story short, um, stay in school, don't do drugs. And, uh, yeah, figure out your actors, figure out who actors are. That's a very (laughs) important skill. The three best pieces of advice. Mm -hmm. Stay in school, don't do drugs and memorize a lot of IMDB. All
1: right. Well, Austin, Go ahead. And, uh, close this podcast with, of course, the uh, the most famous and oft-used phrase from L5R that we said every time. Go for it. Where's my taint? <laughs>